afternoon. You're very welcome to Scariff Bay Community Radio and local media this week. We're uh, local media this week has a look at the this week's local press here, local print media here in Clare, uh, the Clare Champion and the Clare Echo. And local media this week is sponsored by Ruth Griffin Photography. Ruth, wonderful photographer based in Fecal. Delighted to be joined by our regular panel today, and that is uh, John S. Kelly. John, you're welcome. Thank you, Jim. Pat O'Brien. Pat, good to see you. Thanks, Jim. And David Fleming. David, you're very, very welcome. Thanks, Jim. Um, looking at the papers today, and we'll start with the front pages, as we always do. John, a photograph there, or a photograph of, of a mural uh, in Ennis of... Uh, a daughter of Tom Graney. Indeed, one we're very proud of. <laughs> that, that is not a good for uh, in, in likeness. Image is it likeness. a good likeness, John? It's not at all. I mean, I, I wouldn't recognise her if no, the no. signature wasn't there. Well, yeah. I suppose it's a very young Edna. It's a young Brian. Brian. Oh, I know that. Yeah, and I but wouldn't she's have forever known. young. Yeah. I mean, she has retained her. I mean, what? What? That's, that's, I don't know what's behind that particular kind of illustration. Mm. I suppose it's, it's a young photo of Edna, um, a very rural scene, maybe from the 50s or... Country girls. Yeah. Country girls, yeah. Uh, there, 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 there is that illustration at the back of the cottage. So it's trying to evoke that, her, her, the book that made her name, really. Yeah. Um, and by the way, you mentioned, since you mentioned Edna, isn't it time that there was a public recognition of our, our daughter, Edna? Yeah, and the, perhaps the library should be called after her. Uh, there, and there was a move for that leading up to um, the COVID. COVID. It was. And then I, I remember attending a meeting about it and then everything... Um, died. Died yeah. coming up to COVID. So maybe it's time to revive it. Mm -hmm. The library is an, is an ideal... It's a logical yeah. sort of thing. It is, yeah. Um, we, might, we might get more information about that as time goes on. But. Yeah, but certainly it's, I mean, she is one of the, the more famous, as you say, daughters or sons of, yeah. of East Clare. And of Tomb Graney in particular. Tomb Graney in particular. Unfortunately, the library is not located in Tomb Graney. There is a little bit of a campaign to get it shifted over <laughs> since every other facility... <laughs> And when that happens, the Tomb Graney people will certainly name it. I suppose the library serves the entire region. region. region so, yeah, yeah. Um, but certainly, I, I think that we do need. Um, it's well, like the radio. Could it's, the radio now sponsor the movement? No, but it's something that. for it's something for the for the councillors. Like, there's no point. We can talk here about it. And we can forget it for next week. But we'll have to. We'll have to just bring it up with the, the local council. They'll have to highlight it and say maybe at a, at a council meeting in Ennis. Hmm. And the idea would be float, was floated as well about a, a literary festival um, to be held around East Clare, yeah. centred in Tomb Graney, yeah. uh, in order to, to yeah. commemorate There, was the very successful Merriman Festival, um, a, another great uh, literary figure in, in this region's uh, story. Um, and I suspect in time, you know, if there are interested people, hopefully mm. those sorts of things come about. Yeah, well, and the Merriman school, summer school 
was allowed to drift away yeah. from East Clare. Um, it's, it's not going to hit any more, Jim, is it? Uh, learn it? a lot from I'm not sure. the, the, it's the, demise, the demise of the Merryman, because we, a number of us were involved. So we can learn from the mistakes that were made there. Yeah. Anyway, let's go on. We'll have a look at other um, uh, stories on the front page. And we're talking about uh, the bus drivers, I think, on one of the papers there. Uh, the shortage of bus drivers, Pat, in the Clare Champion. Yes, yeah, so in the front of the Champion, it's an evening after the day, Jim. Owen Ryan has it. Um, uh, bus driver shortage puts school routes in danger. Clare Centre for Cars for Relaxation of Age Limits for School Bus Drivers. Uh, anxiety levels for young families usually arise in, at the summer end. And the school when the school returns, but an already stressful time has been worsened in many homes this week as a number of schools, bus services around County Clare have been cancelled. With full employment, the retention of bus drivers is far more, more difficult than it was just a few years ago, and a number of services have been cancelled at the eleventh hour. Parents who had expected their children to be to use the service have been left to scramble in many cases, having to make take time off work or look to family members for help drop-offs and collections. Last week, East Clare-based General Timmy, Tim, Timmy Dooley found himself acting as a recruiter as he posted on social media asking people licensed to drive buses to get in touch with him. <laughs> so, <laughs> a man of many talents. Who? But, Senator uh, Dooley. They, 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 I, I have a lady, she's uh, from Six Mile Bridge, and on the radio the morning, she was on Clare FM, and she said, they were told the school was open on Wednesday of last week. Yeah. They got an email on Tuesday evening at five o'clock. She said it'd be no bus the following day. Yes. Well, that's planning for you. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's... That's, 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 that's what... It's serious. It is a serious it's question. But it's isn't that ridiculous? Yeah, it is ridiculous. The other thing as well in that story is that bus Aaron do not accept bus drivers who are over 70. That's right. And there are plenty of retired army people who yeah. might be quite willing. They will have the actual licence, the necessary licence, and be quite willing to actually uh, come back. But it's like, it's like the shortage of teachers. There's somebody who doesn't listen and is in the decision-making position. Yeah. I would say there well, are a lot of people who don't listen. But they don't listen any year, John, because every year, every year at this time of the year, you hear this issue, it's either, it's either children left to the side of the road that can't get on the bus because some, some bureaucratic kind of a, of a law that's made above in the department. Hmm. Uh, now, you know. can, can I ask, because it goes on, Owen Ryan's article goes on um, to address the 70-year-old issue and uh, Senator Dooley is going to ask the minister to up it to 73. Now, now, can I ask those people in that general age category who might be knowledgeable about these things, He's what, been is the very careful. what is the difference between 70 and 73? Nothing. 12 months. Nothing. Nothing. But in terms of the ability to drive a bus, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we see private buses around, and some of the drivers are most certainly over 70. Yeah. Um, and if, and if the world doesn't fall I, down. I, I can't understand it, really. <laughs> Can you... What, what, you should be able, if we're all equal, to drive, and if we get our licence we've proved that we have the capacity to drive. 
And if there is medical or scientific evidence to suggest that over 70s people are somehow not capable or more likely to, to not be able to drive a bus properly, you, you, surely that doesn't apply to everybody. I have not seen any mm -hmm. evidence of that. And I know people in their 90s who, who are still driving cars. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe not buses. Um, so it seems to be quite discriminatory. But you could you could you could be sixty nine today and you, you you could be driving the school bus. Yes. And uh, and, and tomorrow you're seventy and you you, you can't drive it. Yeah. Because uh, it's a bit crazy. Really. Yeah. I John, mean, what we, do you think? Because you're are you are you in that category? We, we never. Uh, I would be in that category. Yes. What Plus, would you think of that? I, your idea has merit. <laughs> 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 Uh, the, um, the conversation is really to find whether the merit weighs heavier than the, the opposite, okay? Mm -hmm. yeah. But I, I, would, I would go for the idea of, of increasing the age level, but also look at retired military people yeah. who, have, who will have the necessary license, mm -hmm. okay? But also... To, for, for younger people um, to make bus, bus driving attractive to them. Yeah. I know we're, we, as a society, we're at full employment. Um, it's very hard to get anybody in any, in any area, and this is probably one of the factors. But employers, including Bus Aaron, all have a responsibility now to make it even more attractive to people and up the wages and, or whatever and if, it is. And if you are in that position where you're finding it hard to recruit bus drivers, so what do you do? You sort of eliminate automatically any bus drivers of yeah. 70 or more, yeah, yeah. which does seem crazy. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. And we saw... Senator Julie said that after he posted on social media looking for people eligible to drive buses to get in touch with him, a number of contacts were made which may, seem, may see some drivers recruited. He acknowledged that the government had done more, should have done more to prevent the problem emerging. I would be critical of the approach of government that allowed us to get it to this point. Bus Aaron and others have been identifying this problem for the wide. Mm. So, the so is he saying that bus, it, it's not actually Bus Aaron's fault at all, it's actually the government's? Well, it's the Bus Aaron. Well, I think, uh, I think the, the, the civil service love rules. Rules, they live by rules. And they make a rule and they don't want to change it. But this I mean, appears... But, but, but I agree with you, Two teachers sent home during the week. Yeah. A, a principal who was seven teachers down, primary school principal, seven teachers down. Two of the teachers that she had brought in to fill, to help out, yeah. had to be sent home because it didn't comply with the strict rules of the Department of Education as to who you could and couldn't, even though there were two fully qualified teachers. But the rule was the rule. Yeah. And the rule is, is an ass, <laughs> you know. Are the rule the person who made it? Well, it yeah. yeah. In this case, I think, though, it seems that this is a Bus Aaron rule. Like it says here, at the moment, Bus Aaron have a rule that a 70-year-old cannot drive a bus. So to be fair to the Department of Civil Servants, it mightn't be them at this point. But I get your point. But who owns Bus Aaron? Well, it's a semi-state company like, uh, like so, like Quilcha and all the others. But, but the government have very little control. Tell me, over do those you know companies. That a lot of the buses Strangely. around seem to be private, private, private contractors. Yeah. In other words, um, 
the, the bus airing are contracting out. Yes, yes. Yeah, but bus airing, bus airing are controlling, they're just uh, the one carrier, controlling all these buses going to school. Yeah, they have why, the contract. Yeah, but, but why can't, uh, why can't uh, the private, uh, why can't they open it up and have, uh, have the private people? Because you'd have to... Taking them on. Bus airing could sue the government then for a breach of the contract. Again, a rule would be broken. Well, broken. well the rule of well, commercial it, torts, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the, it's complex. The, it is complex. Like, yeah. there is probably no other provider in the country that could uh, take on that national contract, yeah. except bus what do you? How do you deal with legitimate situations where a student is a quarter of a mile outside the border? This is, Thus, this is the problem. In, not, Whereas, let me finish now. Thus, not entitled then mm. to actually get free transport, even mm. though the school bus is passing yeah. oh, within yards of yeah, yeah, every year. That I, I, I think, it, I think in America every child is bused to school, no matter where they live. Yeah, well, there should in, be here in America. And I don't understand the rule because again, it's an over reliance on the car. And if we're trying to get cars off the road, yeah, the bus is better. Contradiction, yeah. Yeah, they should have the buses. And they shouldn't be picking up everyone. Huh? It's it should be which? They should be picking up everybody, Pat said. Yeah. They should. I, I, so, well, John, what about it? Isn't it the right way to go? It would be. Yeah. Okay, can we go on? And we have loads of money in the country. Look, it's, we, we, we have billions coming in from, from all those, um, all the, all those <laughs> big companies. Big companies. Clare men increasingly reluctant to flee the nest. Uh, no, you're not a Clareman, uh, David, but <laughs> when did you flee the nest? I, f I flew the nest at age 17 or 18 when I went to Limerick for university. I went home occasionally, but I, I, point, I pinpoint that as the moment. I never really returned home. It was never really my principal private residence after that. And uh, that was common for people who went to university and never would, would never come back, really. Some people would have to do. I think it's, uh, it's uh, well, Andrew Hamilton has the story, um, and almost 50% of Clare men aged between 25 and 30 still live at home with their parents. It's interesting that women don't do it as much because it's 57% men, so more, more of that age group than others. The exact number is 12,678 Clare people. Uh, I think... Mammy's cooking. Mammy's cooking could be a factor. I think the GAA might be a factor. They want to stay in the locality. I think the accommodation crisis is another factor. But then again, why aren't more women staying if that is a factor? Uh, so I, they're, they're, I, I can't understand maybe why parents aren't uh, eager to push them on because I know several parents who, who want to see their children uh, live independently, let's put it that way. And that is the point because it's, it's probably a little bit more healthy if you do fly the nest. And, is, and is in the natural world, the mother or the father bird pushes you out of the nest yeah. and mm -hmm. forces you to have an independent life. But is, is, is it in the female psyche to wish to be independent more because more than they, boys. More than boys. Boys in a patriarchal society, which you still have very, very you know, strong traces of, yeah. uh, the lads aren't affected yeah. by it. 
It's an interesting observation, and it could be true that there is a sort of a legacy. Yeah. And and as you say, if you're being if you're getting rent for nothing, you might throw a few bob to your mother. But if you're being cooked for, and your clothes are being washed, yeah. and I'm sure there are people listening to us in this position right now. Let us get in there. Um, <laughs> but why would you leave? Indeed. Yeah. But if you're a male, if you don't feel the lack of independence as much as the sister. And you do feel the presence of comfort. Indeed. Indeed you do. Okay. Anyway, it's it's interesting. I would have left uh, left home at the age of 13. I mean, there was only a visitor then on. I think there's more serious issues than than this. When the children leave the nest or whether they don't leave it at 20 or 25. Okay, well, we we go on maybe to some of the other issues that are in the paper this week. And I suppose the Cliffs of Moher get a a great pat, a a good um, mention there. I think it's page uh, six or no, page eight in the Clare Champion, uh, where uh, the, the report projects 36 million overall income from the cliffs site. How much, Jim? It says 36 million. million. Yeah. Uh, again, then I was the report there. He, again, there's two, um, he has two articles there on the, on the cliffs of Moher. Uh, in safety warnings at, at the cliffs. And a report project of 36 million overall income from the cliffs site. Uh, and all report warns about the safety issues for visitors at Hindu Cliffs of Moher, world-renowned cliffs attraction who go beyond the designated pathways to take Instagram what the photographic, photographic opportunities. A preliminary draft of a new 2014 master plan for the redevelopment of states the restricted cliff edge at creates health and safety issues resulting in erosion of the cliff's edge itself as visitors go beyond the designated pathways. So I suppose um, uh, the other one then, uh, the cliffs is, is Site is projected to generate an overall income of 36 million from the visitor spend and employ more than 300 people, according to a new report. A new preliminary master plan for the redevelopment of the Cliffs of Moher world-renowned visitor attraction predicts that this expenditure will help support more than 900 tourism jobs and generate 8 million in tax revenue. The total expenditure of visitors to the Cliffs of Moher is projected to be more than 300 million per annum. This will su- this will support in excess of 8,000 tourism jobs and generate more than 60 million in tax. And we were talking before we came on air, it's on page 27 also in the Clare Echo, uh, and uh, Gordon Deegan has an article there which uh, the revamped Cliffs of Moore to deliver again 36 million in revenues and employ over 300 people. But I would say, John, can the Cliffs of Moher, if if it's a bus in from Dublin, stop in the car park, go in, enjoy the cliffs and enjoy the um, facilities that are there, yeah. back into the bus in the late afternoon and you're in Dublin again in two and a half hours or three hours. Do you think that's what's happening? By all accounts, that's what's happening. But <laughs> in a lot of the cases, that is what's happening. In a, in a, a pre-recording conversation which we were, we were having while we, while we waited for David. Um, Who was late today? 
one, mem one member raised uh, the interesting comparison with Venice. And Venice have talked about their problem, which is over oversupply of tourists. Um, and particularly cruise ship tourism. Yeah. But all having the negative effect anyway, okay, except for the money that's generated. Mm. And there is a lot of money generated in projects like Venice. Mm. And the, the part to, to compare it, make a parallel uh, with uh, the Cliffs of Moher, um, that would be very, very sad indeed. Because what then would have drawn people some more, by overdevelopment, you lose that attraction. Overdevelopment so, of like um, of the facility, no matter no matter where it is. Same thing can happen yeah. on the island. Yeah. There is a there is a greed that comes into the. We take as many as we well, can. John, do you do you have any view on the fast tourism of of the coaches coming from Dublin elsewhere? Coming in as part of a general tour, I suppose. Yeah. Um, from wherever they start, and just coming through, do the cliffs for an hour or two, and move on. And that's the only okay. view of that. I, well, I would have because I would have been caught so often by traffic, by a bus, you know, having to back up or. Yeah. Um, and therefore, is the is the only solution to that, or is it even possible? Because I'm sure this we're not the first to have an, the thought about this, but I think, and this goes back to discussions we had about road safety and roads. Is it possible to improve the road, to make it, to make it passable? Well, that, came, that question was, was, was answered somewhat about, about 20, a little over 20 years ago, am I right? When the, we, there was the major row about making a car park uh, as a resolution to the problem. Put a car park <coughs> and bus or transport people from the car park, it could be two miles, three mm. miles, okay? Mm. Uh, but there was a shocking uh, popular reaction to that, and it was dropped. Mm. I remember Ema Colloran was uh, leading a campaign at that stage. Yeah. Um, but they, they, there are ads in the newspaper about this 2040 master plan, Cliffs of Moher Strategy 2040, and it's prefaced by saying, it's on page five of the champion, it's in the echo as well, a long-term vision for the sustainable development of the world-class visitor attraction over the next 20 years. And the key word there is sustainable. Mm. And I think nobody... What is What does sustainable mean Sustainable in, in this context, I think, means something that doesn't jeopardize, that facilitates regular visits, but that doesn't actually ultimately jeopardize exactly what you said, the Cliffs of Moher as a site. Mm. And in terms of... Uh, the local experience and the residents, because yeah. I'm sure they're sick to the teeth of all of this, and anybody else who has to drive over that way or get over that way. Um, so ultimately, what are, are we, we kind of saying? Like, is, are the numbers sustainable um, as, they, as they are? They yet, and from the money point of view, 36 million in overall income is a lot of money. The actual profit... Oh. Uh, arising from that is Gordon has it. Dan, I don't see it being mentioned, but Gordon in the in the Clare Echo has it. Nine point seven million of profit was made. Now, did that take into account the financing of the project? That yes, of, after all expenditure. I mean, they're, the they're making nine point seven million, 
And I'm curious how the county sees the benefit of it. Like Venice, I'm sure, sees the benefit. Uh, and, and should there be a tax? You know, many places have a tax, small little, small little tax to visit this, go out to the pyramids or someplace, and I think there's, there's a tax there. To get even to get into Egypt, yeah. uh, you have to pay uh, sort of a $5. Surplus, yeah. Uh, and in, in Florence, there is a hotel tax. Because right. the hotels are, 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 are busy. Then, uh, yeah. uh, our problem is we can't get them into the hotels. Mm -hmm. So therefore, we might have to incentivize that. I would actually tax the buses. Uh, or, or, or maybe charge the bus a little levy. If you come into this county, you come to the Cliffs of Moher with a bus, we'll have to charge you a little bit extra to upgrade the roads. So it's the customer the that pays, not the profit maker. Uh, put it onto the company. The company might well put it onto the customer. But the customer then might think, oh, maybe I'll stay. Maybe I won't travel by, by bus anymore. But even to extend that tax further and say, uh, if you're coming in and out in the one day, definitely yeah. tax. Yeah. But I mean, that tax can be refunded. Or if you stay. If you stay. stay yeah. Because like the Clare County Council, are, are, they have, coming up now, they have Bunratty. Uh, they have... Um, um, they have Holy Island, yeah, and they have a number of other, they have Craig and Owen, a number of other places. Yeah. Um, is there not a kind of an, should there not be a push on the council to integrate those, yeah, and thereby spreading the benefits mm. of mm. tourists and maximizing yeah. the benefits of tourists? Well, try and, and, how and do, how around the it, county, we're back into the sustainable factor. I don't know, Jim, if that, if what you're proposing is realistic it probably it, it would be very difficult um i it goes back to something senator garvey mentioned last week in the papers is yeah. to create the options for slow tourism um to make the county so attractive that it's not just the cliffs of moher you come and visit for but the other things that you want to stay for so you'll see the cliffs one day you'll do your cycling on the next day you'll come over here to the east of the county on another day it is I think that may be, and it's because a tax will inevitably cause uproar and nobody will, all, you know, there'll be always two sides in that. But I think few people would disagree with um, a, a, a kind of a, a whole package tourism and the slow tourism, the greenways and all the other yes. things you stay for. Yeah. Now, as a matter of interest, uh, I'm looking at the article on page 27 in the Clare Echo uh, Gordon Deegan's article there, and at the very end, it does say the council is to stage a public information meeting on the draft 2040 strategy at the Falls Hotel in Ennis Diamond on Wednesday week, which is the September the 20th at 6.30 p.m. So maybe, maybe we should be represented or people who are interested in the overall strategy should be represented. At that. It's, our county is a little bit uh, like a microcosm of the country overall. Um, there is an east-west attitude uh, or an east-west situation where in economic terms, the east of our, and Dublin in particular, dominate. It is where the big businesses go and the west has not seen the great benefits. In, in our county, the benefits are arising largely to the west. Admittedly, Bunratty gets a fair share of it, but a more balanced... Tourism, I would say, should be at the heart of any future strategy. Okay. Listen, we'll go on. 
Uh, there are a number of other things, and we're approaching half-time rapidly. Uh, antisocial behavior comes into play here. In uh, there's, a, there's a piece on antisocial uh, behavior, page six of the Care Champion, Neighbors from Hell, and I think it's centered in Ennis. But I think also there are examples of antisocial behavior near to East Clare. Uh, maybe Tulla might be experiencing a little of it. Um, how do we deal, I wonder, Pat, with um, well, antisocial behavior in, in our county? Of course, our, 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 our roles haven't strong enough for our, our um, no, the, 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 if we get a house and, and, and uh, maybe there's most of the parts of the middle and in the winter, then you, you, you create a neighbor so hell you have, there should be rules and regulations uh, governing your, your, um, your residency in, in, in those houses. And a lot of those houses are, 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 are given out in, in very new houses. And, uh, for a, very and little, well finished houses. Well finished houses. And for very little, um, you know, the rent is very, very nominal in a lot of, a lot of cases. Pat is touching on a, a fiercely important question there. I mean, here is an opportunity with new housing going up mm. at uh, council level. Uh, and more of it will be there over the next number of years. Well, yeah. An mm -hmm. ideal chance to rectify exactly, remedy exactly what Pat is talking about there. That we do not just hand over the house, mm -hmm. but that you, I'm sure there's a contract involved, okay? Yeah. I, I, if, there is, if there isn't, uh, there should be, and it should be open to inspection. In other words, to have an inspector of the estate monitors mm. issues such as what he's, what he's been talking about. Yeah. Okay. The, the listeners might be interested in how the council deal with this. At Clare County Council has been very proactive in dealing with antisocial behaviour since the adoption of the current anti... So I wasn't aware that there is such a thing, but a, a, an antisocial behaviour strategy, which was adopted in March 2021. Each antisocial behaviour complaint received is investigated and dealt with in accordance with the strategy and the Housing Miscellaneous Provisions Act. So we even have legislation in this regard from 2014 by our estate management and tenancy enforcement teams, which I think is what you're talking to, John. Yeah. He outlined this year to date that the council have received 504 anti-social behaviour complaints with a total of 101 tenancy notifications and warning letters issued. So presumably if there's a complaint and that complaint is upheld, you get a... Uh, you get a, no, a notification and a warning. And can the council do something eject, subsequently? Eject, eject well, well, I think possibly because they go on to say three qualified housing applicants have been suspended from using choice-based letting since the adoption of the strategy because of antisocial behaviour concerns. So, so they are probably, now admittedly maybe it's a long drawn out process, as processes tend to be, but natural justice must also be applied. You, you, have, to, you have to prove the case that there was antisocial behaviour and so on. I know that can be abused. But, but yeah. three out of 501, or 504 it is, seems quite small. Mm. It does. And as there's nothing as bad as living beside people who are making your life hell. And, and, and people, people, you know, that uh, maybe people would, maybe next door to you would get a new house and keep it perfectly. 
and you have those people then next door to you and they're creating your, making your life a, a misery. It's just, it's just, it's just terrible, really. Yeah. Okay, listen, we'll, we're coming up to the halfway stage. I'm just looking at page 23 of the Clare Echo, where they, I suppose, they, they advertise themselves and they give some facts and figures about um, the Clare Echo. 15,000 free newspapers are published every Thursday by the Clare Echo, and 7,000 of those go door to door in Ennis. Um, 300 plus retail outlets across the Clare get, across Clare get delivery. And I see in Milltown Malbec, Kilrush, Ennis Diamond, Ennis and Shannon, I see nothing, although it does show it on the map that they're coming to East Clare as it well. It shows it's coming to Toon Graney, but not Scarlet. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like my house, in fact. Well, we'll go over to Toon Graney and pick up the Clare Echo if we have to. But anyway, it's... I would like to, to say just to Jim on that, um, and maybe Paul is listening, he, he sends it, send it on to, the, to the, the people that do deliveries or, or whoever was that uh, when you went to Tulla at 11 o'clock of a Thursday morning, uh, the, you can't get the clear echo, they're all gone. They're all so, gone. Yeah. In fact, I've noticed something similar in, in, in Tomb Graney. They could drop in a few more. They, yeah. are, they are. So maybe the 15,000 uh, press run has to be increased. But I will say this, Jim, it's lovely to see this, and it's great to see this model of publishing prosper. I'll say in comparison, because I picked up the Limerick Post and I picked up the Cork equivalent, the, the standard of journalism in the Clare Echo is enormously high, and we should be very grateful uh, to the editors and, and the journalists involved. Yes. And it's, altogether, it reaches 70,000 people every week via print and social media. And of course, it doesn't mention it directly here, but I mean, you can subscribe, and it's, it's, it's not expensive, to uh, the Clare Echo, to the premium edition of the Clare Echo. And in that case, you can get stories bang up to date when you log on to the Clare Echo any time during the week. Okay, Pat, I've held you up long enough. Uh, what have you in store for us to... Uh, it's nearly past half time at this point. Yeah, stage. well, the, 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 um, the Irish Rugby team are going to have a, a big month in, in, in France, and we hope we have the... Maybe, the, maybe we hope we have the, have the club coming home. So we'll have the Fields of Batonway and the Thousand Dollar campaign this weekend against uh, uh, Romania. Okay, thanks very much, Pat. So lonely round the fields of Athenrye. You've been listening to Paddy Riley there on the fields of Athenrye, uh, Pat's choice to commemorate or to mark the uh, Rugby World Cup. You're listening to Scarif Bay Community Radio and its local media this week, sponsored by Ruth Griffin Photography. Now, we in the second half, um, we'll, we'll mention a few things maybe to do with East Clare, and we have a very short second half because we have a slightly uh, abbreviated programme today. John, you were looking at page three, I think, in the Clare Champion, and page four, yeah. uh, and difficulties with regard to uh, teenagers' mental uh, health, mental health and provi provision, provision for, for that. And essentially, actually, we have had it every week for three, or three weeks. Three or four weeks, yeah. Four yeah. weeks, mm -hmm. which means it's 
it's time for concrete action and filling the gaps, so to speak, because Dan Danner has limited service for East Clare children with, for example, eating disorders. What we're talking about in the article, we're talking about not having trained people to respond to the need, the emotional and physical needs of our teenage population. I know it's a national problem, but we're, our concern is with uh, our own county, uh, and particularly with regard to the section of our county called East Clare. And we're not seeing any improvement. And we're asking who is going to actually move it forward. So that's all, Jim. I mean... Yeah, 91 yeah. children on the waiting list in, in West Clare camps. And I think, did you say 43, John, in East Clare for yes. uh, the, the piece there that Dan has on page four yeah. uh, for children with eating disorders? And, and that can be a very, very uh, distressing mm -hmm. condition. Uh, certainly. So we're asking... And imagine the distress when there is no... Nothing there. No trained people available. You see, Matthew Conway has, a, has a, an article there on page four as well. Jim Conway calls on the minister to address Clare deficit, and he's calling on the minister to, to address it. He said, uh, Clare is one of the worst in Ireland, one of the worst places in Ireland for... for, for um, okay, I, Pat, we used to talk about, we used to give out um, that on St. Patrick's Day, very few uh, cameras from the printed media would come to East Clare. Um, but for God, we can't we can't give out since last weekend. You can't complain this weekend, Jim, because there's a full, <laughs> there's a full page there of uh, the scale of show on the on the paper, and um, there's a lot of different um, photographs on page one. Yeah, well, it's page it's twenty anyway. In the page line. twenty, and on, on the Clare Champion. And it's also in the Clare Echo. It's also in the Echo. Yeah. Oh. Uh, on page. So if anyone wants to see with a photograph at the end of that. Well, the, and not to be misled, there's not only one page on page 20, but if you look at the farming section at the bottom right-hand corner, you'll see uh, McGann Griffin, Porig McNogue, and Jer Crotty at the Scarab Show being awarded some prizes. There's more pictures on page 18, and there's a nice little article there, a beautiful-looking horse uh, on page 13. I was there myself at the show last Sunday, and I recognise a few people, so I can I can confirm that those photographs are from last week. <laughs> but it was a great, it was a lovely event, and um, the sun was shining, and the horses were in fine fine fettle, and it was and the dogs as well. I paid particular attention to the to the yeah, thirty one classes of dogs. Went in, had a look at the the fine rhubarb, uh, the Lego competition, which attracted an awful lot of uh, entries this year. Yeah. There were apple tarts. Uh, to die for. I was going to say, suggest that um, the, the person who supplies our apple tarts here after the show should be encouraged to enter. Yeah. Um, and there was fine looking turf as well. Yeah. And, and, and Pat, I never knew that Joe Cooney could play the, is it the trombone mm -hmm. or, or yeah, well, some similar instrument? He's, 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 he's featured there on, on board papers this week, Jim, uh, over at the, at the, the 19th hole, which is a um, uh, a festival event they had in the market for the weekend, and uh, he's there with the with the, the, the market brass band. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, well, it was 
Joe has said in all these functions now, and he, 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 has, to be, he has to be blowing his own trumpet. He's blowing his own trombone. <laughs> ah, lads. From the year ahead. Ah, sure. he, should have, he should know that those comments will come when he's going to be pictured like that. Um. So it's, it's brilliant that there are so many photos there, and you know, it was a beautiful, it certainly last Sunday was a lovely day yeah, yeah, yeah. in both New Market and in Scarborough. I had my, my, my granddaughter riding uh, in her age group. In the Scarlet Show, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, so. Lovely. And just great to tie in the, the, the community festival in the market with the golf as well. You yes. know, that at least the, the village yeah. was good. The one thing involved. I would say that I noticed on that Sunday were yeah. the number of events in the locality at the time. Uh, there was a oh, big yeah. match on in in Tomb Gra in yeah. Badike Tomb Green, the evicted field. There was a massive run here, here. Uh, at at the Scarif GA grounds, and then the show. Now they attracted crowds in all three places, but I just wondered could they space them out just a little bit? Yeah, I suppose that's something. That it's hard to do because there is always so many things. There, there are always some and, and the sun shone, and that brought people out. It, to, it, 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 it wouldn't normally come. Mm -hmm. No. Okay, we'll go on. Uh, power and heat seem to come into um, play in Shannon this week, uh, Pat. Um, I think the ESB and uh, the Shannon Airport uh, group, group, yeah. the group are coming together in order to, um, I suppose, in order to save money, in order to be more efficient and more green. Yeah, the Shannon Airport group... Um, and the ESB have completed a major lighting project which will see the airport energy consumption in relation to lighting to drop by two thirds. So that's, a, that's a, a, a substantial. It's on page 15, John, of the Clare Champion, the Shannon homepage. And own, own, um, own, uh, Ryan has the, has the story there. The, the project funded through the ESB Smart Energy Service saw the replacement of over 4,000 indoor and outdoor lights with ultra-modern LED bulbs. The 66% reduction see the airport energy consumption in lighting reduced to 442,000 kilowatts from 1.37 million kilowatts. It's an enormous uh, difference, isn't it? My only question is, why haven't they done this about five years ago? When we, I mean, many of us made that transition about five years ago, I'd say it was, when we yeah. went to LEDs, and I would say, <laughs> I've tended to replace more LED light bulbs than I have really? the older bulbs. I don't. Maybe it's something to do with my the wiring, um, but I'm not at all impressed because they're much much more expensive to purchase. Yeah. You'd think that they would have a much longer lifestyle, but uh, a lifetime. Um, anyway, I hope Shannon Airport's bulbs survive longer than mine. Is my point? Yes. Okay. Theft, uh, John. Oh. Not, not that I'm blaming you for them now, or uh, no, casting it's, it's expressions. It's there on, but... on, on page two. Um, a number of brazen, I'd call them, brazen-type tests. Uh, in Scarif. In Scarif, last week. And, um, and it's, it's the first time, Jim, that we have um, had something like this for a good while. Am I, am I right on that? Yeah, it, it seems to. It has happened an odd time, but... Could people be again be very careful about leaving their cars uh, and windows windows open 
And it's hard, of course, in such fine weather, isn't it, it John? It is, yeah. But it's more than that, because I've just noticed here this, that story you're referring to. Um, it's not just the Gucci glasses that were stolen. Obviously, the uh, thief had an eye for the, for the luxury items. Yeah. But it was also um, a power washer, which is a bulky and heavy thing. A Honda power washer was, and a console was, but, was also taken. How was, it, how was that taken? From what? a van. Ah, yes, from again, a van an open parked van. in the Market Square. Square. So that's, as you say, John, very brazen. Yeah. It is, because the Market Square is there with all the Nearly houses all and shops looking busy. out on it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was lunchtime between 1 p.m. and 1.10 p.m. So it's a busy minute, place. I, so somebody will have seen something. And if you did see something, we would encourage you to contact the Gardaí as oh, soon absolutely. as possible. But you suppose in a lot of those cases, uh, the van was open and I suppose the lads come up, maybe he had a yellow jacket in him and he'd just walk over to the van and spot it and take it and take it out and, and you'd imagine right. he might be walking. You're dead right. You so wouldn't you, notice You don't know thing. You don't notice the thing. You see all these fellas while yeah. 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 Tried all, and tested all, methods. Don't be giving ideas now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, it's, it's something and I suppose, you know, people should be minded to if they see something suspicious, or even think they see something suspicious, uh, to, to dial 999 yeah. and ring the Gardaí. Be vigilant. Because, yes. um, you know, and I don't, the Gardaí were, I know we had a sergeant on there last week, and he said, and other Gardaí have said it before, you know, if you ring them and it's a waste of call that everything is okay, they don't mind that. Oh, no, yeah. Okay, uh, Pat. Uh, you're looking there at the sports pages of the Clare Echo on page uh, 33, and there is a preview of um, of the coming, the forthcoming Clare soccer season. Yeah, um, the soccer and Premier teams profile this new season begins. Uh, Quarterly Man is the story there on page 33 of the Echo. Um, <coughs> With the Crony Gales Machinery Premier Division uh, sprinting into action, Quarterly Man profiles all nine teams bearing for league glory. For instance, with all the Premier uh, managers, visit clareacre.ie subject to full access. And uh, Avenue United, you'll bridge United, cool football club from Martin Gort, Kekish and Celtic from my own Nick of the Woods, Kilkush Rangers, Lifford Football Club, the Market Celtic, and uh, Shannon Town and Tuller United. And I suppose the two East Lambs teams would be Tuller United and uh, Kikish and Celtic. And so look, we, we wish all the teams the best of luck in the, in the coming year. Uh, particularly the East Clare teams. Particularly the East Clare teams. <laughs> Kikish and Celtic and Kilgush through last week, one all anyway, in the opening round of the... Of, and I think Kikish and Celtic were... They were shocked to go short there because the whole season isn't finished, so they, they'll probably be having them back to get a bit stronger later on. Okay. Very good. Anyway, we wish them all well, as you and say. And I suppose to you, you have the, the All-Ireland champions uh, in, in the Clare League, which in the market Celtic, the one the FAI Cup last year. And, uh, it's, I think it's the biggest uh, competition in Europe, the FAI Junior Cup. It's 600 teams or something competing yes. in, in, in Ireland. And Newmarket won that. Newmarket won the FAI Cup, yeah. FAI Junior Cup. Yeah. 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 Oh, and they, were, they contested the Munster Junior Cup final as well, but they were beaten in that when penalties. So... Yeah. And I just see across the way there in the Clare Echo as well on page 32, uh, Seamus Hayes has the, the golfing notes. And um, I see the, the President's Prize uh, in East Clare Golf Club. And uh, our own head of news here on Scarif Bay Community Radio, uh, Ursula Hogan, made the podium. 
Are you saying she has time for golf and not concentrating on the new <laughs> Is that what you're saying as station manager? Well, not at all. We're all entitled to a little time off. At the weekend, she has a chance to, to relax when she has the news done. Anyway, that's uh, Seamus Hayes has that piece there in the, the clerical. Okay, I think we're nearly, we're nearly there this evening. As I said, slightly shorter than usual because we have a, a match coming up um, just after this programme. Uh, so, John. And that match is? And that match is Budike and uh, Kildu, and Smith O'Brien's. Smith O'Brien's. And Leo and Pat will be there and they'll be in full voice shortly, so stay tuned. Very good. Giles, uh, thank you very much for joining us again Welcome, today. Jim. And for your contribution, and to Pat. Thanks, uh, Jim. Many thanks. And David, pleasure, Jim. Um, Pat, have we got uh, a bit of music to sign out on? Well, we have, we've, we've, we've beautiful weather for the next making festival, and it's on there, and Jim, and I suppose it's in full flow. I was up and not clear myself last Sunday, and I came back through this too, and I didn't, I didn't stop off, but yes. <laughs> there was a big crowd there. So we'll have Brendan Shine, but catch me if you can. Okay, very good, Brendan Shine. A great Roscommon man. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and there is a matchmaking piece somewhere in the Clare Echo. Right. I saw it. We, we haven't really time to look at it. We'll look uh, at it the first thing next week. It's on page 22, the advantages yeah. of joining a matchmaking agency. So uh, we might... <laughs> Mr. Daly has a bit of competition, I think. <laughs> he has indeed. Anyway, thank you for listening to us, uh, and we'll talk to you next week. So for us, from us, for now, goodbye and God bless. I've got money and acres of land. I'm looking for a honey with a bit of money. Catch me if you can. My name is Dan, and I'm your man.